Good morning to you. I am glad to meet you here again in this particular setup that we have. For those who are a part of Crossroads Fellowship, thank you for tuning in, being a part of our worship service this morning. For those of you who just may be passing by on the internet and you've gotten a hold of us, stay with us for a few while, for a few moments as you listen to God's word this morning. And thank you for worshiping with us as well. For those especially who are part of the family of Crossroads Fellowship, I want to do something right now. You may not realize that most of this has been done on site when you obviously were not here as people sitting in the pew. And it was all possible because of a young lady who's done so much. And I'm talking about Carrie Smith. It would not have happened without her. And if she didn't know how to do it, She figured out how to do it. And so I just praise God for her. I am so thankful that she was able and willing to do this for us. And she did so many things I couldn't have done even if I'd known how to do them. And I just want to thank her. And Carrie, thank you so much for what you have done all through these weeks that we've been together. Well, I hope you have your Bible with you this morning. And I hope that you will turn it to Genesis, the 39th chapter. We're going to be in that Genesis for a while. Uh, There are two great things, or I guess I should say uh, great laws in life that everybody has to learn, either the easy way or the hard way. First thing that I'm thinking about is things don't always go the way I planned. I'm sure you've learned that. The second thing is that many circumstances that we have in our life is uncontrollable. We have no control over those at all. We would not have had those to happen if we had had control over them. Life just doesn't always go the way we want it to go, and many things are beyond our control. For instance, you didn't choose who your parents were going to be. You didn't choose what your sex was going to be, or your race was going to be, or where you would be born. You had no control over the circumstances surrounding that. Well, we're ending up in a short series that we have called The Life That Counts. We're looking at ordinary people who do extraordinary things. And I believe, as I've shared with you some messages before, that God has some extraordinary things that he wants done through Crossroads Fellowship. But first, before these things can happen, we as his people have to be ready and willing to follow him in order for this to happen. What is happening in our world and what will happen in our world because of these events that we're going through right now God will use in a great way to magnify His grace and His glory, but we have to be vessels that He can use in order for that to happen. And so we're looking at these two men that we've looked at before, and now we're going to look at a third uh, who lived an extraordinary life not because he was an extraordinary man in himself, but what God was doing in his life that really counted. And so we're going to talk about the successes of this man today. He's a man that you probably know about, and he's a man called Joseph. You know about Joseph and so many things about him. But Joseph went from a slave to 
success to the place that he was prime minister, the highest position in the largest, greatest nation in his day. His was a success story. And his success story is something that we can have if we're willing to live with the lifestyle and live with the character that this man lived with. What we find out as we study his life is that your life is not made up of circumstances around you, but of your character. Not circumstances, but character makes a difference in our life and what we do with our life. So with your Bible turned to Genesis the, 20, or the 39th chapter, I want you to look at the 23rd verse. And we're going to be looking at a lot of this. And I would challenge you this next week to sit down and look at several passages, looking at beginning at 37th chapter of Genesis through the 50th, because there's too much here we cannot touch concerning this man. Back to Genesis 39, verse 23, God's word says, The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge, because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. I believe God can still do that right here in the fellowship of this church. Would you pray with me? Father, I ask you to speak to the storm of fear and unrest and change that is covering our land. And Christ, I pray that you would bring peace to us through the Holy Spirit. We read in Mark where you took a a furious storm or squall and made so much power in the place of it. In that story, the waves were breaking over the boat and it was nearly being filled as it sank deeper and deeper. And your, your men that were following you were afraid. And Father, they cried out to you, those disciples, aren't you concerned about us? Save us. Teacher, don't you care about us? They ask. And you got up from your sleep. You rebuked the wind and the, told the waves to quiet and be still. And the wind died down. It was completely calm. And Father, in this storm that we find ourselves right now, You're the only one that can keep us and bring perfect peace in these moments. So I pray, Father, that our minds will be steadfast and fixed on You because we trust in You as Joseph trusted in You. And I pray, Father, that as we look at the ordinary life of Joseph this morning. I pray that you would take ordinary men and women in this place, in this congregation, and begin to do extraordinary things because we're willing to follow you and to obey you. 
Speak, Father, through your word, and may we be blessed as we study it together. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want us briefly this morning, as we begin to look at the life of Joseph, I want us to look at his circumstances, the circumstances of his life. There were a lot of them, a long list of them, and we couldn't read them all or following them all in this message, but if you'll read those verses or those chapters, 30 seven through 50, you'll get the whole gist of it. It's got a lot of things in it. It's got revenge. It's got deceit. It's got lust. It's got seduction. It's got attempted murder. It's got violence. It's got attempted rape, false charges, imprisonment, and it'd make a great mini series on television. All of this though, I can sum up about Joseph's life, his early life, in just a few words. And the few words are, in the first 30 years of his life, nothing went right. Nothing seemed to go right. So let's look at his circumstances, and I hope you'll use your outline. And the first on your outline that I want you to fill in underneath his circumstances is, number one, he was rejected at home. Now we're talking about his circumstances. He was a second And the last, for a while, of 11 boys. There was a lot of rivalry, a lot of competition in his family, a lot of bitterness. His mother died when she was giving birth to his youngest brother. And when that brother was born, he died, his mother died. And the Bible says that in all of this, that his brothers were jealous of him. Joseph came from a home which had two wives and two maidservants. And these half-brothers hated him, we're told. Notice what the Bible says in Genesis 37 verse 4. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably about him or to him. Think about that for a while. And then one day they plotted to get rid of him. Verse 22 of Genesis 37 says, And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into the pit where he and here in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him. And then there's a footnote to that verse that says that he might rescue him out of their hands and restore him to his father. There was one brother who was going to take care of him. Reuben was. He was the oldest brother. That's brotherly love, and that's what he lived in. You know, they put him in a well or a pit out in the ground, and pretty soon a slave merchant came by on his way to Egypt, and uh, they began to think, we can get rid of Joseph, and we can make ourselves some money. So they sell Joseph to this Egyptian, uh, or to this slave trade heading down to Egypt. When he gets into Egypt... He is sold to one of, the, one of those of high rank in the military, the Egyptian military. And this man's name was Potiphar. And uh, Potiphar now has him as a slave. Can you imagine? He has gone from a child that's loved by his, by his father, but he was a slave for a moment, and now he's been sold into slavery, into Potiphar's household. Joseph knew rejection. Probably you do as well. Overnight, 
a pampered son became a slave. And he knew rejection from every place that he looked. But he, gets, he begins working for Potiphar. And as he works for Potter and Potiphar and his household, everything that he does has the success of God written all over it. And Potiphar's family and household is blessed by it. Let me give you another set of his, of his circumstances. Number two on your outline. He was seduced and slandered at work. Potiphar's wife has eyes for Joseph. And she tries to seduce him. Look at this verses, Genesis 39, verses 7 and 8. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and he said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about everything in this house. And he has put everything that is in my charge. And then verse 10 And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. Sexual harassment has been going on a long time, about 4,000 years to be for sure. And then he says, I'm not going to abandon my character, my morals. But one day, at a time of passion, she sent everyone out of the house except Joseph, And you'll remember the story that she grabs him by his robe, trying to entice him to come lie with her. And as she has got a hold of his robe, he works himself out of his robe and he runs off. He's lost his robe. He's lost his coat, but he didn't lose his character. And she tries to frame him. She tells those hands that work in the house where she lives in Potiphar's house. She says this, said as soon as he heard that I, that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me, fled and got out of the house. And then in verse 17 below that, that's the same story with a little more added to it that she tells her husband Potiphar when he comes home that evening. She says, and he told me the same story saying, the Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came to me to laugh at me. And now Joseph is thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit. It's going from bad to worse. Let me give you a third part of Joseph's circumstances. He was forgotten by friends in prison. Forgotten by friends in prison. Once he was thrown into prison, he is forgotten by some friends he had helped. In fact, Joseph befriended two people who were in high position in Pharaoh's staff and Pharaoh's court, and they had been thrown into prison and would have lost their lives, but Joseph helps them to get out of prison. And he says to them in the 40th chapter of Genesis, verse 14 and then verse 23, only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me kindness to mention to Pharaoh so that I, so get and so get me out of this house. And then verse 23, yet the chief cupbearer who was going to do all of this, the Bible says, did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. The cupbearer immediately forgot him. Let me tell you something. There's some points here that I want you to see in circumstances. Jealous people will try to hurt you. Immoral people will try to tempt you. And ambitious people will forget you. 
And that's what he was talking to or who he was talking to. And they'll try to use you if possible at all. If you especially want to honor your life with God, honor God with your life. Look at our text again. In Genesis 39 verse 23, the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Three times in this passage, the Bible says that Joseph made a difference. He made a difference in all of this. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph because of his character. What was Joseph's character that made him so different? What do I do when circumstances seem against me? Against all my degree or dreams that I have and direction that I feel I should go. What I do to make my life count. What can I make my life or how can I make my life count when it seems the forces of evil and hell are conspiring to make me mediocre? This is what he does. There are three things that Joseph does. And these three things will work in your life and my life. And our life will have a difference and it will count. Let's look at Joseph's character. On your outline, the first thing about his character, he fulfilled his responsibilities. He fulfilled his responsibilities. Whatever I'm in, whatever I am to do, what God has called me to do, I need to do it wherever I am. Wherever I am. Joseph is what the Bible calls a faithful man. He was dependable, he was reliable, and he always gave his best in whatever he was doing. And as a result, he was promoted in leadership. First as a slave in Genesis 39.6, so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. Now this is Potiphar. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. He turned his whole house over, household over to Joseph. And Joseph made the decisions, all of them except what Potiphar was going to eat. And the Bible says he placed Joseph in charge. He put Joseph in charge of this very thing because he didn't have to worry at all. The Bible says he did had no worry in the world when Joseph was in charge. That's how good he was. That's how God blessed him so much because of his integrity, because of his character. Goodness, God was prospering Joseph and preparing Joseph. Genesis 39.5 says, From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, is talking about Potiphar, the Lord blessed the, Egyptian, the Egyptian's house for Jacob's sake, or for Joseph's sake. Everywhere Joseph went and obeyed God, God blessed not only Joseph, but the place, the families that he were with, the people that he was around. Let me ask you, does your employer prosper because of you? Here's a man who was a slave, but he still excels in what he's doing. In the 39th chapter of Genesis, verse 22 and 23 says, And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever, had, whatever was done there, 
in that place, in the prison. He was the one who did it. And then verse 23 says, the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with them. And whatever he did, the Lord made it a success. This fella, Joseph, is incredible. He's thrown in the prison and the next thing you know, he's a deputy jailer right in the middle of all that's going on. The cream just keeps rising to the top. Joseph could say, I don't know why all these things are happening to me. And I don't know why, I'm, why it's just in my realm of thinking and all that's going on. But he says, I do know how, am I supposed, how I'm supposed to act. No matter what the circumstances are around me. I, do know, I know, do know who my Lord is and how I am to obey and to follow him. Whenever somebody turned over responsibility to Joseph, they didn't have to worry about it at all. He was reliable. Do you do your best at the job that you're in, even if you don't like the job? Even if you're dreaming for something else? Do you do your best? He was reliable, even though life wasn't going the way he wanted it to go at all. If you spend all your time dreaming about what might be or what could be and how things ought to be, you're going to miss doing a lot of living. Joseph wasn't going to miss that. Eventually, Joseph gets out of prison. Pharaoh has a dream and Pharaoh's cupbearer, the same one two years earlier who had forgot all about him, remembers that Joseph, that man in the prison, could interpret dreams. And they send for him and he interprets Joseph's, uh, Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. You remember that seven years of famine would follow seven years of abundance. And Pharaoh knew that the nation must do something immediately so that they would be able to live through the famine that was to come seven years later. And then he asked this. Listen to Genesis 41, verse 38. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Here's a man who is a heathen. He doesn't know anything about Joseph's gods. But he says, Is there anybody that could be better than Joseph? And he says, Because this man has the Spirit of God in him. This is a quality that is essential in your work, in your spiritual life. And the quality of your work will, re- will reveal what your spiritual life is really like. Here's a pagan saying, this man has a spirit of Yahweh, Jehovah God in him. Look at this guy. Is that true in your life? I have to ask myself, is that true in my life? in the job that we do, in the job that God has called us to do, are we like that? Joseph was. He was a man that could uh, do what God had told him to do it and do it like God had told him to do it. There is a direct correlation between shoddy workmanship and a poor testimony. That's the insult that goes to God's reputation. Now, you don't insult God's character. Nobody can insult His character. But we can insult His reputation. And Joseph wasn't going to let that happen under his watch, under his watch at all. I want to tell you, every Christian, wherever you work, ought to do your very best, whether you like it or whether you don't. I ought to do my very best as preaching I want you to understand, God doesn't call me to be the best preacher in the world. He calls me to be the best that I can be and the best that I'm called to be. And the same thing in your life.
In spite of circumstances, Joseph succeeded. He ended up becoming the prime minister, second in command in all of Egypt. And it, all because, and it was all because of how he served. He fulfilled his responsibility. Let me give you the law of success in Luke 16, verse 10. It's in the Phillips translation. Listen to what it says. The man who is faithful in the little things will be faithful in the big things. And the man who cheats in the little things will cheat in the big things. That's the law of success. People may say, you know, I'm not, I don't like to be here. I'm too big for the little job that I'm in and I need to be somewhere else. And you need to be faithful, God's Word says. To be faithful in the little things first before He will trust us with the big things. We think, God, if you'll promote me to this, then I'll start serving you more. Who are you kidding? God, if you will help me financially, then I'll start being true to you In finances, I'll start tithing. No, you won't. If you're not doing it now, you won't do it then. We're just kidding ourselves. When my life settles down, then I'm going to start serving God. Who are you kidding? You're not going to do that. You can serve Him now where you are. If you're not faithful in what you're doing right now, and the circumstances that you're in right now, better circumstances are not going to make things any different. Not at all whatsoever. If you're faithful in the little, God will bless you in the much. That's what he tells us when we fulfill our responsibility. Every job is an opportunity that God has placed us in to develop and demonstrate our faithfulness to him. To show glory of God to others around us. Let me tell you, child of God, God is your boss. He is your employer. And while you're waiting for something else, you need to serve him with all you are right here and right now. Joseph's character was such that he fulfilled his responsibilities irregardless of the circumstances. Do you feel you fulfilled your responsibility so that your boss knows that he can depend on you or your spouse knows or your church knows or somebody else knows that you are serious about the responsibility given to you? Secondly, if I'm going to be a success in spite of my circumstances, number two, Joseph maintained his integrity. Joseph maintained his integrity. This is always an amazing part of this story that I believe God has put there for us to learn. Joseph did this. He was a man of absolute moral purity. His character wouldn't let him do anything else. No matter what happened, he kept his integrity. He maintained his standard. He was spotless. Anything they said about him, they had to make it up. It wasn't true. Wouldn't that be something if we could say whatever the world says against us, they've had to make that up because we're spotless and we live a pure life before God. In Genesis 39, 10, and she spoke to Joseph day after day. He would not listen to her, to lie beside her, to be with her. No matter how much Potiphar's wife put pressure on Joseph, he maintained his integrity. Now, he could have thought a lot of things. He could have thought, I'm a foreigner. I'm a slave against my will. My life is sure not going like I thought it was going to go and like I wanted it to go. I lost that dream that was given to me a long time ago. So why should I keep my morals? Why should I do anything? I owe myself something. 
And then he could have said, what has God done for me? Look at all this. Or he could have said, who would know? I'm a long way from anybody that even knows me. But Joseph's character wouldn't allow him to do that. What gives with this kind of man? He maintains the standard of purity even when his world is falling apart. What motivates Joseph? Well, I'm going to tell you what motivates him. It's two things. We've heard it before. Genesis 39, verses 8 and 9. But he refused and said to, ma- to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that is his in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything back from me except you. Speaking of Potiphar's wife. Because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? There's two things in that passage that I read that, motiv- that motivates his integrity to remain in place and his purity to be what it's supposed to be. One was his loyalty to others. He was going to be loyal to the man that had put him in charge. He was going to do what the man had asked him to do and no more or no less. But also, he had love for God. Did you hear that? That's the last sentence. I cannot sin against God. I will not sin against God. Goodness. No matter how much the world would abuse him, he was going to continue to trust and follow God. Whenever you sin, whenever I sin, I hurt somebody else. I may not have any idea who I'm hurting, but I hurt somebody else. So do you when we step outside of God's will. We hurt someone. Every time I give up some of my integrity, I'm hurting somebody. It may be you or somebody else. Whenever I lower my standards, I hurt other people. Joseph cared about others. He had loyalty to them. He also loved God. I will not do this great sin against God. He would not give up. He was not going to do it. Do you have that kind of loyalty and integrity in your life? Do I have that? That kind of love for God that keeps me from sin? Proverbs 14, verse 32. The wicked is overthrown through his wrongdoing, but the righteous has hope and confidence and a refuge with God, even in death. Think about that. We read about these kind of things in a newspaper all the time. We see these on television. We look at the foolishness of immorality. One who commits adultery is a fool, the Bible tells us. We see all of that in Proverbs 4, 5, and 6. It's spelt out very plain. The very area area of integrity, when I abandon my integrity, I not only damage others, I damage myself as well. The point I want you to see right now that you may not have made, many times when we resist temptation, I'm talking about you and I'm talking about me, you may not, probably will not feel real good about resisting temptation at that time. In fact, you may be miserable and your mind wants to play all kinds of tricks with you. I should have gone ahead and done that. What would be wrong if I just shaved a little off the top? If I just left a number or two off here? Maybe if I just 
walked away from this. Little things here and little things there that I could shave and no one would know the difference. Battle is raging inside of us. Have you ever been there? I have. It's resisting temptation and you don't always feel well about it. How do I know that for sure? Well, let me tell you something. When he was trying to maintain his integrity and when he was trying to be morally pure, you know what happened? He got fired and he got put in jail. You don't get real happy over that. How do you think he thought about his integrity then? Here's the point. In the long run, it always pays to do what's right. You will see, thank God. You will say, thank God for that one of these days. That you stayed pure. That you didn't lie. That you didn't shave off some numbers that you could have gotten by with. You'll maintain your, when you maintain your moral purity and your integrity, I want you to know that even though you may have second thoughts as you're walking away from it, down through the years you'll look back and praise God for protecting you in all of that. Joseph's character is a great example of what my character ought to be like when things are going wrong in my life. That's the way he was. Well, the third and last, he fulfilled his responsibility and we're to do the same thing. He maintained his integrity and so are we. And the last, the third one, I want you to notice that he trusted God's sovereignty. He trusted God's sovereignty. That's what Joseph did. As a young man, God gave him a dream. You remember that. That had happened some years before. A dream of making an impact with his life for God. Have you ever had a dream that you believed God wanted you to understand he wanted to make an impact with your life? I've had those dreams. Not like Joseph's, but I've had those dreams like the, the integrity of this is all about. And one day in Joseph's life, in total naivety, he shares this with his brothers and his father. And he said to them, I had this dream and one day I'm going to be a great man. And one day everybody's going to bow before me and even you fellows and my father. Well, I want to tell you, they were not near as excited about that dream as Joseph was. They didn't like that at all. In fact, that's probably what made the final boiling of the pot boil over. It's what led them to sell him, want to even kill him. And 30 years and for 30 years, Joseph's life is the exact opposite of what God told him back there as probably a 15 to a 17-year-old boy. Surely all down through these years, he's been wondering, God, what happened to that dream? Maybe to the point that he'd almost forgot about all that dream. But during that 30 years, God never explained what was happening that we have any record of. God doesn't say, that dream's still out there. Joseph had every reason to doubt and every reason to be bitter. But I want to tell you, even as a slave and even as a prisoner, all those years before God ever made it clear, his integrity, his character was never, never changed. Praise God for that man. The Bible tells us that Joseph was promoted to the second in command under Pharaoh. He was a prime minister 
there in Egypt. And he began a national saving program that for seven years when abundant crops were happening, he was saving more and more for the people that were to come. He was doing all of that. And then when the seven years of famine came, Joseph had done such a tremendous job in saving up the food that they now had food for other countries even beyond their own. And when the famine came to Egypt, they had plenty of food and the people around him could come and buy food from Egypt. And among those who come and bought food from Egypt was his family, Joseph's family. The Israelites, Joseph's own brothers, came to buy food from a man they didn't even recognize. But they needed the food. And that man was really their brother, Joseph. You know the story. And what would you do in a situation like that if they come up and they didn't recognize you and they were asking something of you after they had done all that to you that his brothers did to him? But here's how Joseph answers this in Genesis 45, verses 7 through 8. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors so that was so it was not so it was not you who sent me here but God he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt that's what he says let me give you some application and we close We've learned or we've tried to learn and we've seen that success can happen even in spite of your circumstances. Pain often has a hidden purpose. We don't like that and we don't like to hear that, but that's true. It's the path of pain that God uses many times to bring blessings on those around. God often directs our lives through failure. Joseph thought he was a failure. There was certainly a lot of disappointment in his life. There were broken dreams. And many of us can say amen to that. But notice Joseph's reaction to his brothers who tried to murder him. In chapter 20, verse 20, he says, As for you, you meant it evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. He intended, you intended to harm me, he says. And many of you have been harmed by somebody else purposely. It was intended. It could have been family. It could have been parents. It could have been someone you worked for. But God is using it if we let Him. He'll bring something out of it. Even though they intended to harm you. He has plans that are much greater than your problems. Christ tells us we're not victims, we're victors in Him. He's greater than your past, He's greater than your pain. If we really don't believe that, that God's in control, that He is sovereign, that He has our best interests at heart, then we become bitter, we become afraid, we become stagnant in our life and our walk with the Lord. God uses these things to develop character in us. That's what He does. That's what He wants us to have, character like Joseph's. He had a persistent faith. He waited for years, all those years, until God fulfilled that dream that had given Him as a 14 or 15-year-old boy. 
Even when Joseph didn't understand, he trusted God. And it didn't become bitter or it didn't become angry that I see. He kept trusting God's sovereignty. What do you do when circumstances dispute the dreams, the direction that you feel God has given you? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. That's what His Word tells us. In all your ways acknowledge Him, even those difficult ways. What can I learn from a situation or from this situation? And how does God want me to act? I believe the next verse just summarizes all of Joseph's life. Philippians 1.27 And whatever happens, make sure that your everyday life is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Your everyday life. Not just the high points, but the in-betweens and the low points. It's not your circumstances, but it's your character that makes you great. Joseph honored God in everyday life, and God blessed him. And I want to tell you, God wants to do something extraordinary in your life, something extraordinary in this church, and He wants to use ordinary people to make it happen. He wants that to happen. God wants to do that, I believe, with all my heart through Crossroads Fellowship. And I believe He wants to use you, and I believe He wants to use you, and you, and you, and me, so that will happen. Are we willing to let Him? Do we have character like this man had that it might happen? Child of God, oh, we cannot, we must not miss this opportunity for what God's going to do and what He's now building in the world around us so that His name will be glorified. His might will be restored among all believers and unbelievers. You may be listening or watching and you've never known about a relationship with Christ. You've never received Him as your Lord and your Savior. Well, let me tell you something about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's more than a sequence of steps. And I know that when you're saved, you go through steps to get saved. And that's the way God's Word is. And that's what you have to do to come to salvation. But let me tell you, the gospel, the gospel is good news. It's more than four steps or five steps. It's good news. That's what it is. Now, those steps are essential before we can be saved. But I want to tell you, the good news is good news because it is what connects us with the person as a person with the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Friend, when you have those unsearchable riches with Jesus Christ, all the rest is what it's supposed to be. And you're not concerned about that. Now you really know the fullness of Christ in your life. That's the reason that we want you to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want you to ask Him to forgive you your sins and to restore you to health in Him and that you commit to promise, commit in a promise and a lifestyle to serve Him all the days of our lives. But friend, it's good news because you'll begin to know the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. I pray that. And I pray that you will do that. 
in our service, if we were meeting together, we would be receiving an offering. An offering coming from a heart that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. When his children were small, Milton Ferguson, who was a professor at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, tells a story. He said, inevitably, it seemed that he had an 8 a.m. class every semester. And he said that en route to the seminary to begin teaching, he always chafed at a 15 mile an hour school zone that slowed him down and he was always in a hurry. But legalistically, he slowed down to 15 miles an hour going through that school zone. But he said when his little girl grew and was able to be enrolled in a school, this is the school she was enrolled in. And he said it was no longer a duty to slow to 15 miles an hour. It was a privilege. And I was hoping everybody else would do the same and practice that as I did. Well, let me tell you, friend, when we become mature as believers in Christ, and as followers of Christ. We serve Him out of love, not out of law. Is that the way you serve Him? Is that the way you serve Him? With your gifts, your tithe, and your offering? I pray that it is. And I thank you for your continued, gracious support of your church in these times. And I ask you to continue that God might be glorified and that you might be blessed beyond what you can imagine. Well, there's some things I just want to close with. I want to remind you who are part of the family of this place, Crossroads Fellowship, I want you to continue to pray as you just heard about a few weeks ago, a man and his family who will be coming in view of a call as the next pastor of Crossroads Fellowship. You pray for him. You pray for his family. You pray for this family. You pray that God will begin to fill this house up so that he can come and proclaim God's word. And as people who are waiting to hear God's heart, we will know how to vote for this man two weeks after he comes. So you be praying for him. You be praying for groups to come back, for the numbers to come back in our church so that we'll have enough people to have that vote. You be praying for Him in all of this that happens. Would you bow with me in prayer as we close? Father, You have told us that we are to humble ourselves and to pray and to seek Your face and to turn from our wicked ways. And then You will hear from heaven and You will forgive our sins and heal our land. Father, I pray that all who are part of Crossroads and those who are listening right now, I pray, Father, that they will, and all those who have come to a personal relationship, will walk humbly before You so that we may live our lives as Joseph lived his life, that it might make a difference in the world while we live. And I pray, Father, that we'll remember that humility precedes honor and that Father you give discernment and wisdom to us 
to call a pastor and that you will give it to those who search out your heart by humbly placing themselves before you. And I pray, Father, that as we search for your man, we will be humble in receiving what you want to do in our life. And I pray, Father, that your will will be done and it will be done well. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning, Crossroads family. Brother Kent asked me to put a message on here regarding the church opening back up. As laid out in the Crossroads email that went out on Friday, lots of changes will be happening. He and the elders of the church request that all men and women who would like to be a greeter or an usher attend a short training following the Wednesday night praise and worship service. And for those of you who are not quite ready to come back, rest assured that we will be still posting the podcast and the video of the service later on on Sunday. We love you and hope to be able to see everyone very soon.